Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Brew where we tell the stories behind your favorite beer. This is Sound Guy Ryan, and joining me as always is Matt and Erica. Hola. Hi. Hey. <laughs> I tried a new language this week. I, I was impressed. I really was. You you nailed that. The pronunciation was killer. Spot on. Yeah. Um, I'm so amped up for this week's episode. I am very proud to announce that we brewed a beer for the first time dun, dun, dun. in a couple of months. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's been a long time. Uh, we used our claw okay. hammer brewing supply equipment as well. Yeah. But Erica, tell our listeners what we brewed. We brewed the Brave Noise Pale Ale. And that is a kind of international collaboration brew between, you know, home brewers and professional brewers. And it's pretty freaking cool yeah it's a it's a beer that uh is here to raise awareness and uh about you know equality in the beer beer industry and to create a safe space so for everyone everyone that is correct exactly um so we did that with my girlfriend indeed erica yep you were there right i was i was there i was there <laughs> uh myself and jenna of Wormtown. Dun, dun, dun. yeah it was pretty fun it was it was a great time and i think we nailed all of our levels, all our numbers. Numbers. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Which was incredible. It was really awesome having a professional brewer there to be like, you're yeah. doing this so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I think if we were to make shirts for next brew. Day, we just need to bring her every time. Every time. Yeah. You know, I'm now it's like when you brew one beer, you're like, what's the next beer I want to brew? Yeah. What What should we brew next? Ryan, what should we brew next? An amber. An amber. Ooh. Why are you inspired to brew an amber? Because our guests, Bill and Mark, also have an AMBA. That's a flagship. What? A brewery that's flagship isn't an IPA? Yeah. How are Mind they open? <laughs> oh, my Lord. They're in Montana and not New England. That's true. Or the it's West Coast. Really? Or anywhere else. They're just in good, Montana. Good Montana's its own little world, own little country. It's just its own thing. And AMBAs are important. Yeah, they are important. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we talked with Mark and Bill. Uh, Mark is definitely from Boston. Yeah, I mean, y- you should notice. You'll notice his accent. Yeah. He's Ryan's cousin. Yeah, basically. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but a lot of fun episode. Um, really fun. Yeah. No, it was, it was a great time. Um, learned a lot. And it was just really cool. Can't wait to go to Bozeman, Montana. I know. And, I'm uh, excited. Check out their place. I love finding out like the best burger and all that place, all the stuff down there. So yeah. Like, it really entices you to get your behind out there. Yeah. To, to boogie on out. <laughs> no, to boogie, boogie on, on out. out. There you go. To Montana. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think we're going to get to the episode just because it's a good one and we want our listeners to enjoy it. Um, but exactly. in order to enjoy episodes like this one with Bozeman or like last week's with our friend Bentwater, um, we need support by our listeners. So what's one way or many ways that our listeners can support us? Well, we can definitely start by liking, following, sharing all of our social medias. Yeah. Bookmarking. I guess bookmarking is a huge thing on Instagram. So bookmarker. Yeah. Save our stuff. Yeah. Also, we have a Patreon. Ryan, tell our listeners where our Patreon is. www.patreon.com slash brewroots podcast. Podcast. That's right. So until next week, cheers. Cheers. So Erica and Sound Guy Ryan. Yes, sir. What episode is this across the country for us? I mean, like, what state have we checked off? Montana. Well, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say it's maybe 15. 15? Something like that. That's we're, pretty we're, crazy. We're around that ballpark. That means we only have 35 more to go. Whoop, whoop. But I'm very excited to do this one because this ties into a little bit of a local feel. 
Yeah, it does. You, yeah. You might hear right off the bat the local feel. You might. You might. Oh, I know we certainly <laughs> did. Um, we were talking about how much we hate Tukarask. <laughs> yep. So if any of our listeners out there <laughs> like Tukarask, you can... Just suck it. Yeah, you said it, not me. Wow. <laughs> um, we also... I'm Tuka cur- time's over. Yeah. <laughs> Done. I'm also, I'm also curious to find out if he likes Cam Newton or Mac Jones, but we'll ask, we'll ask that question we'll get later. There. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> but um, we don't want to bore our... We're not sports radio as no. much as I'd love to be. We're a beer podcast. Beer podcast. Uh, so, Erica, who are we interviewing today? We are interviewing Bill and Mark of Bozeman Brewery. Out in Montana. Yeah. And I'm guessing it's Bozeman, Mon- Montana, correct? Yep, Bozeman, you are correct. Bozeman? Is it Bozeman or Bozeman? <laughs> Bozeman. It is Bozeman. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Great job. Great job. Hey, Erica, okay. you know yeah, you there know is a Bozeman, and it's on the East Coast, and we found that out the highway when we had a giant piece of equipment get shipped there instead of Montana. Oh, no. And if yeah, you, crazy. And if you couldn't tell by Bill's accent, he is the one that has the Boston connection. He he is the one. He almost has yes. as good of a Boston accent as Ryan. Almost, pretty close. Pretty, pretty close. Almost, almost close. <laughs> so, uh, Bill and Mark, thank you for doing this. We always ask our guests at the beginning of the podcast their role at the brewery and their first memory of beer. So, take it away. Who wants to go first? Go ahead, Mark. You go first. Um, I am the sales rep at Bozeman Brewing Company, so uh, out and about on the road and doing brew fests and events at bars and restaurants and trying to convince people to carry our beer we've got in the bars or restaurants or in stores or all that sort of stuff. Um, And my first, like, legitimate beer memory would be having a friend buy me a six-pack of Easy Street Wheat um, from Adele's Brewing in Fort Collins uh, when I was not officially of age and enjoying that uh, and realizing that like good beer could exist prior to that it was taking sips of stuff from my grandpa when he was hanging around or something like that but that was the first encounter with like a thing that I wanted to drink versus a thing that I did not want to drink (laughs) and you liked it that's crazy (laughs) yeah Bill, what's here, Bill? So I'm the head brewer, and I've been doing this for, I guess, 15-ish years, 16, maybe, depending on the day. And my first beer memory is definitely Guinness uh, from my dad somewhere at some Irish festival back home in Mass. Uh, I don't necessarily remember exactly, but I remember it was Guinness, and I definitely was away and not in good ways i was probably like 10 so but i like that it was guinness guinness is iconic so yeah no i'll take it that's my first memory <laughs> uh, what was the original career path for both of you was it always um motivated towards going towards beer or how did you guys disappoint your parents oh definitely i was going to be like an astronaut i think so <laughs> the first one from arlington yeah <laughs> yeah yep. yeah yeah right yep. probably Probably. Yeah, I had no career aspirations. I, I wandered into this and got lucky, so it's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I actually started out um, as a middle school teacher and fell into this instead. Uh, with with a move up here from Colorado, I was teaching down there, and the, the move up here was a good awakening of Tana not paying its teachers very well, and they're not paying a lot of jobs. 
And so it turned into a, you know what, I love beer and the brewery scene in Montana is actually pretty significant. Um, and I'm going to try my hand at that and manage to kind of luck into this one, meeting the GM at an event and talking to him for about an hour and him saying they were looking to hire a salesperson and went in and interviewed uh, a week later. That's awesome. So you mentioned Montana was kind of known for beer. I mean, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. If you think of Montana, I think of towns that are 100 miles away from each other. Right. And I don't initially think of beer. So tell me about the Montana beer scene. We're definitely not known for beer. It's, it's awfully nice of him to say that. No, no, <laughs> but I don't think it's necessarily accurate. We're, we're like 10 years behind everything in the rest of the country generally. But so you guys are still in we're getting bombers. There. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we have a great scene. We love our Montana beer community. That's a fact. But I don't. I wouldn't say that we're uh, on the cutting edge of really anything. And the towns are 100 miles apart. But you, that doesn't take like three days to drive. You get there in like an hour. So um, yeah, it's I guess good. it's a good scene. When when I think of it as known for beer, it's not necessarily outside of the state, but like inside of the state, there is a really like kind of rabid beer scene that Montanans drink Montana beer. They're really supportive of it. Um, even the like tiny little town that's got 2000 people in it potentially as a brewery. And I feel like that's a somewhat unique circumstance when you consider we have a million people here and we have almost a hundred breweries Holy cow! Um, wow. for the whole state yeah. per capita. We're like the second highest in the country for breweries. Um, and I, I think for beer consumption, we're also second highest in the country. <laughs> so, Are we still trailing Vermont? It was always Vermont yeah, that we were yeah. behind in that. Yep. Yeah, Vermont, Vermont's still the one that we're behind. As far as I'm aware of, those so, might be like slightly good. old stats. Per capita, why is we our beer state? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. So we, we just play it co- close to the chest, I guess. <laughs> yeah. This may be how, how we could think of it. Yeah. It's interesting. When I think of like Montana, I think of kind of a blue-collar state, right? I think of a lot of farmers. I think of a lot of agricultural. And correct me if I'm wrong. I'm misrepresenting Montana as a whole. Um, does that come with a lot of domestic beer drinkers? Um, you know, your Buds, your Bush, your Coors. And how are you as a brewery trying to get those people to drink craft? Drink craft. Well, I'll tell you the story I told you earlier. We have an amber beer that, you know, it's almost like laughable in certain parts of the country. Like, what the hell is even an amber? And it's a gateway beer out here. And I think it works for the farmers. You nailed it. We are a very ag dependent state. We, and we get to brew with barley that was grown in our state. So we love that. You know, we love to tell people about that. But our flagship beer is like a relatively dry, not super hoppy, Amber beer, an American amber, if you will, but it never really does well in competition under that name because it's kind of drier and the malt is not as forward and it's not as super duper hoppy as some, but a great gateway beer. And that's what we used originally to to bridge that gap between the bud drinker and and the craft drinker. And, you know, we originally had a wheat beer as well. We don't really make that anymore, but we did. We had a wheat beer, an amber, and a porter that we started with, and then eventually an IPA came on. Would that but have been those like, those lower ABV, lighter styles is what bridged the gap. What year was that around that you guys kind of were started? Uh, the brewery is actually celebrating our twentieth anniversary. 
anniversary this year. So we got started in 2001. <laughs> wow. wow. So I mean, years. like, that's, a, that's decent. Having a wheat beer was very on point in yeah. 2001. So, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, style wise, at that point, all of that made, made sense, especially for Montana. And, you know, the IPA thing was already happening on the like California area, but it would have been almost non existent here in Montana. Mm. Uh, but, an amber and a wheat beer and a, a, a dark beer option, a porter, were kind of perfect. I almost invented the hazy IPA in 2001 because <laughs> I was so sick of the wheat beer. I thought it was so dumb. I'm like, why don't we just hop this up? Then it would be good. Like, why don't we just make it a hoppy wheat beer? And that would have, you know, maybe we'd be rich now. And Basically we would have started hazy. Them. Minded back then. He wanted the boring wheat beer, and <laughs> that's what we did. Yeah. But I almost invented hazies. <laughs> You heard it here first. <laughs> Bill almost invented hazies. So, right. There's when, a lot of things I almost invented. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mark, coming from Colorado and going to uh, Montana, obviously Colorado has a, a, a brewing scene that is known around the country, similar to you know Massachusetts, or Portland, Maine, um, Oregon, so on and so forth, Washington State. What was it like coming into this 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 you know close knit beer community? It, it was actually really welcoming, I would say. Um, it, especially kind of initially, the like first event that you go to having no idea how to like set up your tent or, or, you know, you practice beforehand and then hope you don't screw it up. And obviously you do. And everybody was really supportive. Um, when I forgot something because it was the first go through, there was somebody there, you know, from another brewery to, help out and provide it and that part of it was definitely what made it really easy to like continue doing this i've been a sales rep for the brewery for five years which i think is also a pretty significant chunk of time um at least a lot of the other sales reps i encounter uh, a fair number of them have cycled out of that role yeah um, and for me it's a matter of like there's a community within the breweries here in montana that maybe is fostered by the fact that we're so spread out and that like from a competition standpoint, we're more in it together than we are a part of trying to get people into drinking our beer as a, a whole community. So it, it's actually made it really easy to, to be part of craft beer in Montana. What is um, the craft beer Montana kind of known for Are you guys making a lot of the hazy IPAs now? Uh, you know, what are you guys producing? That is a good question that we have a weird answer for. Um, <laughs> All right. I'm looking forward to the answer, too. Um, <laughs> what is, I could tell you what we're known for, but what's Montana known for? That's a great question. At, at least in Montana is like kind of a unique, uh, not terribly common style of beer anywhere else in the country. Montanans love scotch ales. Oh, really? Okay. That's exactly. True. That's the normal response from anyone outside of Montana. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, th I think it goes back to like one of the original craft breweries in the state, um, Kettle House. That was one of their original beers was called Cold Smoke Scotch Ale. And I think it was the introduction for a lot of people as to what craft beer could be. And now it's turned into a staple. Most breweries across the state at some point during the year, seasonally, if not as a year round option make a scotch ale wow i don't we even are think one of there's... the breweries that don't do that wow i don't even think there's one in massachusetts we have a scotch we just ale. Have it yeah. lately. 
Yeah. Um, we, yeah, it's, it, we haven't made a scotch ale since I started working for the brewery. So oh, it's been geez. five years at least. Guys, uh, come on. <laughs> it, it's tricky when you make a beer that so many other people have kind of established as their right. own. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to like reintroduce yourself as that example is, is not the easiest. Um, and we've got a bunch of other stuff that we do really well instead that I think we're, we're known for anyway. Yeah. So, so yeah, then we don't need to follow the trend. If you're not then making the scotch, uh, what are you brewing? But before we get to that, we have a word from our amazing sponsors. So take it away, Sound Guy Ryan. Did you know that your favorite Massachusetts breweries use hops from a local family-owned hop farm right here in Massachusetts? Our friends over at Four Star Farms are there for you, whether you're a commercial brewery or a small batch home brewer. Make sure to head over to their website today and get your hands on some of the best and freshest hops available locally. Cheers. At our local homebrew shop, Beer and Wine Hobby, you can get everything you need to make beer, wine, cider, cheese, and more. Not sure where to start? They have knowledgeable staff there to help. Beer and Wine Hobby is family-owned and located in Danvers, Massachusetts. Visit their website, beer-wine.com, and use our promo code BRUITS for 10% off your online order today. Shirts on Tap is the box subscription service for craft beer lovers. Each month, Shirts on Tap partners up with seven different breweries from across the country and collaborates on a sweet custom shirt design. We've been teamed up with Shirts on Tap since the inception of the podcast and are proud to announce a new promo code for all of our listeners. To get your first shirt for $5 off, go to the link in our description below and use the promo code. And remember, drink better beer, wear better shirts. And we're back. We are back. Dun, dun, dun. So yeah, let's let's continue along this line of the beer trends here. What are you guys kind of known for? What are you brewing? Saying how you're not making a scotch ale. Well, first say we used to make a scotch ale, and you know, it could happen again. But <laughs> never say never. Our scotch ale was awesome, and as far as scotch ales are concerned, I just think they have to have peated malt in them. And that's not the way they do it in Montana. The Montana Scotch Ales are very distinctly like the roasted barley sort of Scotch Ales with yeah. virtually no peat. And I just think that's, I mean, just make a porter or something. I mean, what are you doing? <laughs> but they do sell well. People like them. And I think in a lot of ways, it's what I described the amber as. Like, you get sort of a gateway beer. Mm -hmm. So the one we've made, and if we begin, the way I'd want to do it is a peaty, smoky, you know, kind of strong scotch ale. Yeah. Um, but that's like, I mean, it probably won't happen again for a long time. So we make, we make everything Amber, regular IPA, which by nowadays standards would be a Northwest IPA, I guess, but yeah. it was sort of originally kind of a combination of what an East coast IPA used to be before this whole new thing started and what a West coast IPA was before this whole new <laughs> paradigm. Yeah. Uh, happened. So we have one of those, but then we do have a hazy, which in the summertime is hugely popular. And I've been drinking the hell out of it myself. 
made with a lot of like New Zealand hops, so it's super like floral and nice and fruity, and it has it has everything you're looking for. But it's a it's probably a little bit too bitter, which is how I like it, and it's probably a little bit too dry, which I also think is a better move. And yeah. it's like hazy in a like a nice way, where it's not like offensively muddy and disgusting looking. <laughs> so it's actually really awesome. Nice. And the other big beer of the summer is the one I've been sipping on. This is a, a German style Kolsch made with a little bit of local honey. It's gonna say look and how clear it is. Crush it. <laughs> Yum. It's super good. Nice. I love that it. one's uh, our, those... our hay, hay bear honey Kolsch. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we actually got a medal, a gold medal for that at the brew fest we were at this weekend. Ooh, Congratulations. So. Congrats. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we just recently interviewed breweries in Hawaii and Alaska, and those are those are uh, vastly different states and vastly similar states. But kind of the analogy I was thinking is Montana's a huge state, right? And towns are 100 miles apart. How does that affect production for you guys? Do you have to plan your brew um, a couple months in advance to get grain and, and supplies in? Or are supplies... Is it not a factor? Is it not a factor? Well, the... What you're saying is a factor, but maybe not for the same reasons. The logistics of getting around the state really aren't necessarily a huge problem, but global logistics after the pandemic and even that Suez Canal blockage situation Mm -hmm. slowed down global logistics. So we have had a little bit of, I I feel like we avoided having trouble, but we almost had trouble sourcing uh, YM and base malt for these lighter styles, but we kind of worked with that supplier and managed to work that out but um we don't plan that far in advance i mean in a way we have the entire year sketched out yeah and we pretty much have a schedule about three weeks to a month in advance so uh the distances in montana i mean we believe it or not we don't have horses and buggies and like we don't (laughs) have to ship everything by rail car this truck here and a cell phone so we don't have a lot of trouble getting stuff around the state but we do have to plan and i think everybody has to plan and that's nothing brand new but it was a challenge that was certainly increased by the covid situation yeah and and i'd say kind of on the opposite side of the spectrum we do run into those like spaced out distance issues when it comes to getting beer to our distributors across the state yeah um that scheduling pickups and things of that nature um conveniently our hometown brewer our hometown distributor is quite literally not a block down the street but everybody else is at least a a two and a half hour drive from us wow um and that would be in normal circumstance much less you know setting up shipping on a, a truck or that sort of thing so the planning for delivery and and scheduling out what our distributors actually need requires a fair bit more uh, kind of advanced planning um, mm. just to make sure we've got things in stock when they want it and that we've got uh, it able to send when they actually are able to, to come and, and get a truck to us, things of that nature. Yeah. Um, for that matter, in, in the winter uh, we have to schedule shipping so that we don't have beer freeze in trucks overnight because <laughs> of the cold temps that we get or things like that. So there's yeah. definitely, backside logistics that are affected by our, our distances and our, our spaced out state. Yeah. And geographic location with the, the mm. harsh winters. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Uh, so Montana, big state, we already know all of that, but 
you're having people come into your brewery it's a destination right so do you get a lot of just local traffic or do you get you know people coming through the state coming to see you or what's kind of your scene yeah i both. would say both. it's it's yeah it's very much both um and it's it's again Again, kind of back to the seasonal thing. Uh, in the winter, we are very much local driven as far as the tasting room is concerned. Um, as far as kind of package beer and grocery stores, that sort of thing. But in the summer, Bozeman has become a significant tourist destination and we get lots of folks that are, you know, looking for breweries and travel around in the same way that, you know, we do when we're traveling or you guys probably do when you're traveling. And, and that's been a really nice boost um, from that perspective too. Yeah. So, you guys have yeah. like uh, nine breweries right in Bozeman. Is that right? I think we we're talking about earlier. Yeah, that sounds right. And, yeah. and then with, within kind of the County area, there's another four and there are two more that are probably opening in the next two or three months. So yeah. it's, th- there's a concentration of breweries in a relatively small town in comparison to a lot of East coast situations. Right. Um, how close everybody is together and how concentrated people are um, back east versus here where it's a lot of spread out. Yeah. Yeah. It's great that you have so many breweries and, you know, per cat, like less people, you know, you're still able to kind of survive. Um, how does that work? Do you guys kind of collab a lot? Do you work together to, you know, they mentioned it earlier. Up? They're just drinking a ton. Yeah. <laughs> that <too. laughs> that, that's definitely part of it is just the Montanans are definitely beer drinkers. Uh, I think, I think the other part of it is doing a good job of kind of finding the appropriate like niche within your areas of the state mm-hmm. um, that, in the Bozeman area, we do, you know, really, really well with draft beer and our package beer. And the kind of further we spread out from that circle, the more that percentage sort of shifts towards package. And the fact that we have a portfolio, we've, we've got eight different uh, canned beers available at any given time, which as a portfolio is pretty significant, especially available in Montana. Yeah. And I think that's given us a leg up when it comes to kind of our success as a brewery. And we do collaborate. The collaboration question is a good one. We're mainly all friends, you know, and we hit each other up to borrow things. So good collaboration, good camaraderie. We've done some full on Gallatin Valley collaboration videos in the past, usually, you know, surrounding craft beer week and a beer festival or something. And we actually almost won, but COVID got in the way of that last year. But we've done a few in the past where everybody in, in the area gets together and works at one of the breweries we hosted one year. and Or it'll be another one, and we'll just go over there and sort of uh, from the pages through the brew day work together on, on yeah. actual brew. So that happens. And the collaboration on the personal level is really just good and friendly and positive. That's awesome. Uh, it speaks kind of volumes to the community. Uh, you both are transplants to the area. Um, Bill, off air, you were mentioning that uh, Bozeman is kind of like a melting pot. Why do you think that is? Um, yeah, why do you think that is? Well, I mean, I just have tons of friends from other places. So, I mean, I guess it's every it's your perspective. You know, like if you live in a ranch out in the middle of nowhere, maybe you don't see that. But in Bozeman, you definitely do. And so we were talking about that with regards to sports. So... You know, whenever there's a Patriots game, I find, you know, 
have Steelers friends, Jets friends, Dolphins friends, Colts friends, Bears. I mean, you name it. Like, I mean, I, I I could probably name at least one friend who's a fan of every other team. <laughs> so, you know, we'll get together and and watch football, and it's always that's fun. But I mean, you just meet people from everywhere, and like it seems like actual bows locals are vanishingly rare, although they do exist too. Yeah. So yeah, anecdotal personal experience. I know a ton of people from out of state, and of course, I'm from out of state, so I guess <laughs> it's, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah I, and I would I would agree with that. I think it comes down to the like, Bozeman's a beautiful place to live. There, the kind of outdoor access is fantastic. Um, it is a neat town for its size. We've got a like really awesome downtown. The food scene here is a lot more than you would expect for a, a place with you know sub fifty thousand people. Um, but and it's that's still what, a lot less than what you like. Yeah. yeah, it's not that there's not things we wouldn't like to see on a, a regular basis, but but when you know we can go and get like world class ramen or world class sushi, get a like Montana steak at a, a local place, get really fantastic cocktails and things like that. The Bozeman does a good job of balancing that small town thing with some of the like nicer amenities of being in a larger town. And I think that draws people from all over the place, um, East coast, West coast, uh, all in between. There's lots of folks from all over the place. Awesome. Well, before we get into that, I think we'll take another quick break and talk with our sponsors. Yeah, absolutely. Take it away. Sound guy, Ryan. Are you a solo artist, band, podcaster, or anyone else who needs recording services? Well, we got a place for you where your vision can become a reality. Welcome to Small Pond Studios, built by hand with heart and sweat equity by musicians for musicians. Go to smallpondstudios.io to reach out to get more information. And make sure you let them know that Barut sent you. Hey, Sound Guy Ryan here. Didn't know if you heard, but we're a part of the Hopped Up Network. There you'll find other informative podcasts about beer. So go ahead, follow them on social media, and visit them on their website, hoppedupnetwork.com, to learn more about the people, beer, and breweries from around the country. And until next time, thanks for listening. Cheers. And we're back. Thank you, amazing sponsors. We are here with Bozeman Brewing, Bill and Mark. So, what system are you brewing on, Bill? Um, and is it changed over the years? Or are you kind of using the, the same system you brewed when you first joined? No, we have a new system. Well, it's not new anymore. It started with a seven-barrel specific mechanical, and now we have a 20-barrel AAA system. So, just mash, louder, and, you know, kettle whirlpool, and then a hot liquor tank. So, Nothing fancy. It's still a lot of hands-on. I mean, it's still very much hands-on. <laughs> and, yeah, it's, you know, we have a bunch of tanks, mostly AAA as well. We have a couple of 60s and a bunch of 40s and a few 20s as well. Wow. Um, and is it just you in the brew house? Do you have some Solomon? I'm sure he has some Solomon. <laughs> 
mainly mainly me brewing, but a couple of other guys brew, and we have. I think we we tried to figure this out the other day. Depending on who you count and how you count them, we have like seven or eight or nine people in the back doing various projects, filtering and yeah. dry hopping and transfers and canning and, and all kind of stuff. Nice. And you have a canning line on site. We do. Yep. Nice. Is that is that a thing that's similar that that pretty much every brewery has is a canning line on site? I don't um, think that's that's normal for people, but some people have one. Okay. Yeah. yeah and particularly cool. in Montana, I would say it's a, a lot less common circumstance. Okay. Yeah. Um, there are a couple companies that operate as mobile canning setups. Cool. That's in, what we're kind of getting at. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and I, I know they were definitely busy, especially last year with folks that, you know, s- suddenly needed an outlet for beer that normally was, was able to move through the tasting room. And so yeah. the mobile canners got a, a lot more occupied. Yep. Um, but, uh, otherwise a certain like size range that a lot of the breweries seem to kind of peek at before they start. Um, jumping into purchasing canning lines. Yeah. And right. 16 ounce cans for you guys, or you guys still doing 12 ounce? Uh, we're still doing 12 ounce six really? packs. Now, is I that um, just because that's what the market's demanding in there, or? I would say that is definitely a market demand. Uh, at least in Montana, there's only uh, a couple breweries that regularly are packaging in 16 ounce. Um, so different. Yeah, it's so crazy. We also yeah. hear that it actually. It's, I think it's so crazy when I come home and everything is just four packs of 16 ounce cans. Right. It's so wild. Yeah, yeah, we like we like those standard six pack of 12 ounce cans. I mean, that's like classic. I also I hear know. that it fits really well um, at a grocery store. You can yeah. like stack them easily. Yeah, and- that's true. Yep. There's definitely efficiencies to it from our standpoint. The the like merchandising aspect of it in stores yeah. is is definitely better. Uh, I think I think the other part of it, it, at least for us, was just when we purchased the canning line. Um, Sixteen ounce cans were really pretty limited, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. especially within craft beers. Like you'd see tall boys of of like Oli or PBR or something like that. But 16 ounce cans when we bought our canning line were not common within craft beer. And that's obviously shifted in the last, um, just five, five years, years or so. Yeah. yeah, for yeah. Sure. But that's a bit of, of why we're still in that kind of 12 ounce game. Um, is that that's what our, our system is, is set up for, um, to, to make shifts would be time and labor intensive and not yeah. necessarily effective. So, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So do you find that, you know, that demand for, you know, those scotch ales, the ambers and, and beers like that? You, you mentioned you're a couple years behind on the beer scene. So what do you think's next for the Montana beer scene? So are you going to be doing those, those milkshake stouts or or uh, <laughs> I saw one of you guys laugh? I, I mean, like, you know, I, I honestly I mean, you never know. And we're relatively open-minded but i think our line in the sand is going to be this milkshake pastry stout bullshit i don't see it but the reason is because we don't think beer should be overly obnoxiously sweet so it's the idea of like adding unfermentable sugar and having beers that don't fully attenuate to us like we all we find i mean the word is cloying we all know it in the beer world and like now cloying is being embraced in some of these styles. So, I mean, we didn't think we would want to do hazies, but that, like, we adapted to that, and 
found a way to make them that we like that fits into that mold of not being too sweet, not being like obnoxiously under attenuated. And we love our hazies now and it's great. But so that's the thing. Like, I don't want to add lactose. I don't want things unfermented. I don't want to, you know, IPA to, yeah, I, I think, I mean, I'm sorry. I think it's a friggin' abomination <laughs> to be honest, the slushy milkshake thing. I, I'm not into it. I mean, I'll, I'll have, you know, this much of one. And it's like, if they're well done, like, great. You know, I'll, I'll definitely have like five or six ounces and appreciate what people are doing. But yeah, yeah a lot of it's, it's, I don't think it's something we want to do. I mean, I know it's something we don't want to do and I don't think it's anything we need to do. It's the same with seltzers, you know, like a lot of breweries are making seltzer, but we make, we sell every single drop of regular like beer that we can possibly put in our tanks. So if it's not something that we're passionate about and if it's not something that's like super popular that like yeah, you know like you hazy thing you kind of have to get mm -hmm. into that yeah. so that's fine but yeah. yeah so i don't think we're doing that but i mean what we're doing which we have known to be the future for at least as long as i've been here like since 2004 is sour beer and barrel aged beer so that's kind of if anything is a reason to come to our brewery, you know, like you, I think all of our beers are great, but you might want to come check out our sour programs. We definitely are kicking butt as far as the state goes. We have the most barrels, the biggest program. We do quick sours as well, uh, but lots of barrel age, lots of like lambic flanders and other oh, wow. things like that. That's would. Awesome. So that's really like, we've been, we've been banking on that being popular like when it wasn't a long time ago and it seems like that is now which oh, is yeah. we're thrilled about it yeah and we're happy to be where we are because we've been, been doing this for so long it's established you know, there was a point yeah. in time when we had two barrels and now like we're getting close to like 300 barrels so wow. so that's hopefully where where the future is yeah i i certainly yeah, think so we have a, quite a few breweries out here that have really dove into it and they're doing well, I think. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you mentioned earlier off air Allagash. I mean, think about how many spontaneous mm -hmm. fermentations they have and and saison. I mean, uh, yeah. just different styles that you don't see a lot of. Um, yeah, which is cool. Yeah, and, I'm a huge fan of Allagash. I've been a fan since the beginning with those guys. It's outstanding. Yeah, um, always. A yeah, fan. the the sour thing is definitely what our kind of like our innovation edge goes towards, um, and it's taken an awful lot of work in Montana to get people on board with that. Um, we make fantastic beer. We make like award-winning um, beer on the non-sour and on the, the sour side of the spectrum, but there's still a certain amount of trepidation or outright disgust when you describe that style of beer to people. Um, it's so, funky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Horse <And> blankets. <laughs> exactly. There's all these words that, uh, that people don't necessarily associate with being pleasant, but yeah. when you can provide them an example like ours, that is really fantastic. And that speaks to uh, a certain group of, of drinkers. It's, it's this idea of like everything that we make, there's, there's a beer in our lineup that someone will enjoy. Mm. Um, we're, we're not super specific of like, we've got eight different IPAs on all the time. And if you don't like IPAs, sorry, if you're not really a traditional beer drinker, I probably have a sour beer that is totally up your alley because you like something that's tart or is more wine-like or whatever it might be. And I think that's where we're doing our, our like progression, our pushing of, of what Montana likes to drink and hopefully encouraging them to like that more. 
definitely. So we always want our listeners to go out to where the breweries we're interviewing are. But part of going out is, you know, enjoying the local scene. You mentioned that Bozeman has kind of become a destination. What other stuff is there to do in Bozeman? And I, are national parks nearby? Or is there just a beautiful landscape? Tell our listeners. Uh, yeah, we both. I mean, Yellowstone. Yeah. We have Yellowstone National Park. The landscape's beautiful everywhere. And the park is definitely the biggest tourist attraction in the summer. And then in the winter, skiing is good. So Big Sky and Bridger are our local ski hills. So that brings a lot of people in. And there's just not a lot of people. And I definitely don't want to encourage people to come here, though. Like it actually snows like at least 11 months out of the year. There's grizzly bears everywhere. So you definitely don't want to move to Bozeman. And if you visit, just come quick and leave, you know. And we'll be happy to have you back again next year. But don't move here. Stay home. It snows like literally every day. Awesome. That's coming from someone from from Boston. From Boston being like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So you're saying stay in Boston. Stay. Oh yeah, there's enough of us here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought I pulled the ladder up when I got on board. Right. Right. So, uh, like, let's go to food then. Like, what are the best kind of the burger joint, the dive bar, those those rural local places that we need to check out? Yeah. Uh, there's a, a, like I mentioned before, a really good food scene here. Um, there's kind of institutions. There's a, a place down the street called Montana Aleworks that's been around for 20 years as well. That does, uh, they've got 40 beers on tap. They make fan cocktails. Their food menu is also on point. They've got a, a very well trained, like chef and, and uh, kitchen manager. And that is like, a highly recommended spot to go to if you happen to be in the Bozeman area. Um, but there's also really good sushi in town, like to the extent of people from say Hawaii who can get really good sushi wow. come into, um, into Bozeman and, and at multiple sushi places that we've got in town um, are, are astonished at how good the quality of our sushi can be. Um, the cocktail scene here is actually pretty impressive as well we've got three local distilleries in town too which is its own kind of interesting aspect for um that kind of part of the food beverage scene too uh, and from a bar standpoint there's it, it's an old kind of ranching farming cowboy town so there's definitely still like good classic like dive bar um kind of institutions uh there's a, a spot on the kind of west end of main street called the uh, barmuda triangle <laughs> that you can definitely get lost in depending on what kind of night you're planning on having um that it's just three dive bars that you bounce around to <laughs> over the course of the night and float in and out of over the yep. course of the night so there, there's something for everybody here which That's is awesome. definitely part of the appeal nice yeah well guys thank you for doing this today we do appreciate it and it's always cool to learn about a different scene and you know what? I'm gonna look for a Scotch ale. I know that you guys don't brew one, but like, it's like, it's. A, I might it's, find one. I haven't had one in a long time. It's been a really been long a time for us, and I'm excited to, you know, potentially try your beer soon and make it way out to Montana because. It sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously, um, but we want. We our, love it. Hit us up. Yeah, we will. We will. But we'll we'll stay there and come back though. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we, we won't stay long. <laughs> promise. <laughs> um, but we want our listeners to enjoy your brewery. So where are you physically located, um, and where are you on the internet? Uh, so our website is bozemanbrewing.com. So very simple on that front. Uh, and then address is five hundred four North Broadway 
Uh, we're on the northeast corner of kind of downtown Bozeman. Um, pretty easy to get to from, like, say, Main Street, which is our kind of signature area of town. Yeah. Great. Awesome. Excellent. And I'm guessing Bozeman Brewing on all social media. Uh, yes, you got it. Yeah. Facebook and, and Instagram uh, and Twitter. Yep. Yeah. So I can't encourage our listeners enough to go to the area and enjoy, you know, the beautiful landscape and the food scene and, and stop into Bozeman because uh, we said so. Yeah. It's like cause Stone Cold said so because yeah. Brew Root said so. That was dumb, but I don't care. <laughs> I'm just picturing you smashing a beer can and like yes. pouring it all over yourself. That's, so, that's actually what's yeah. happening right now. So that's crazy. It's yeah. you guys can, can't listeners see. can't see, but yeah, it just happened. So we always like to ask this question, and Erica's going to ask it because she's amazing. I am. So we want to know what do you guys want to learn more about? Really, that was the question you're asking. Yeah, I'm, I'm changing it up tonight. Uh, is this a like in beer or in general? I guess you know however you want to take it. You know, I I have always been super interested in uh, paleontology and dinosaurs and that Ooh. sort of thing. Um, Did you grow up so watching Jurassic Park? Is that why? <laughs> that I mean, even before that, I'm I'm that was definitely like a turning point of how cool they could be. Um, Facts. For sure. Facts for sure. But yeah. the the that is definitely one of those things that I still find interesting. And there's actually an awesome museum here in Bozeman. It's called museum of the Rockies that Ooh. I think has the, the largest kind of current collection of fossils in the U S I say Montana so has like a lot of fossils in, there, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. There, there's a whole lot of, of the state that is kind of former uh, inland sea and uh, coastal area from obviously millions and millions of years ago. So it's really a great place to be situated to encounter that sort of stuff. Nice. Um, so it's actually worked out really nicely being in Bozeman, learning more about <laughs> a thing that I already was really you into. Loved. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's yeah. so cool. And Bill, how about yourself? I like dinosaurs and stuff too. Yeah, I like, I like to learn more about basically anything, anything sciencey. when I'm not like working or playing music or listening to music. I listen to a ton of podcasts and read a lot of books. <laughs> I definitely like anything, anything grounded in reality. So science, you know, that could be psychology or cosmology and astrophysics and all that kind of stuff. You did want and to be an astronaut. Like, you, you mentioned you wanted to be an astronaut, so that makes sense. Like when I was a little kid, yeah. I also wanted to be like a paleontologist, I think, too. I was so into dinosaurs. But nowadays, I just want to like learn about things that are, are true and in the cosmos and, and in the, in our mind, I'm fascinated by the high problem of consciousness, which is still something we don't know a ton about. We know a lot about the mind and there's a lot of theories and ideas about what else there is, if anything. And so the, the consciousness problem is interesting. The Fermi paradox, where is everybody? You know, are we alone in the universe? I love uh, listening and reading about stuff like that. So, yeah, I just want to get smarter. I want to get better at music, better at uh, everything, as long as we're here. You know? Same. I want to get better at music, too. I suck. I get better at life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of music, that, that would be good too. Right? Yeah, I, I I don't want to drag this out any longer. But speaking of music, is there one band that you'll listen to consistently in the brew house? Oh, Fish, definitely. Oh, oh no, there are so many breweries that have no jam bands allowed. No jam, bands. but you guys have jam bands allowed. That's great. Uh, oh, we're like, I mean, we don't only in Bill's head. We just 
We have these, so we don't have music pumping in the brewery. Yeah. Everybody uh, listens. We have two guys who are super into metal, so you know that we prefer that to be in the headphones. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I listen to Fish all the time. I'm Freeze, but I listen to everything. I love funk. I love reggae, soul, whatever. Cool. But cool. yeah, definitely jam. Extra jam. <laughs> Extra jam. I cool. love it. I love it. Well, thanks guys for doing this, and we will catch you on the flip side. Thanks for yeah, thank you guys. Yeah. It was really nice talking with nice you. Nice talking with you. Cheers. 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 It's outro time, and Ryan is actually enjoying this outro because this is the only time that he gets to announce our guest next week. So, Ryan, who are we interviewing? We got Nick from Turtle Swamp. That's right. Turtle Swamp is located in Jamaica Plain, which Erica is. A little village of the Boston city. That's right. That's why a lot of people just call it JP. JP for short. Yeah. Yeah. Little. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> we talked to Nicholas and it was a lot of fun and we learned a lot and they were really cool. Yeah, it was really cool. Great time. Um, great story. Honestly, we learned a lot just about not just the brewery, but also about that kind of little area. Yeah. Did you know you- that? Jamaica Plain had like 4,000 breweries before. Yeah. Like six, it was some like kind of crazy prohibition. number. I thought it was like 200 something. I don't know. I don't it know. was insane. You're going to have to listen to you find out next week. Listen. So until then, cheers. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>